You are listening to A Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. A Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What's up, guys? This is Coffee and Colin, where we just chat over coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Isaac. I am Noah Yero, and thank you so much. Sit back, enjoy, and come along for the ride. We're gone! <laughs> We're back. Isaac, how you doing, man? I'm freaking great. <laughs> Dude, I got my hot chocolate. I know it's coffee and coffee, but screw coffee. Did you get coffee, Seth? I got black coffee. Wow, wow that, you're that's a man. man's man. You got yeah. chest on chest on that hair. You got what some hair heck? on that chest. If there was some hazelnut cream, I would have used it. Oh, mm. Wow, wow. Well, we kind of just introduced. Who do we have? Who's our guest? I don't. I don't know. Okay, we got uh, <laughs> four foot nothing. Seth Maxwell here. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, how many times on a given day are you asked how tall you are? Well, the real question should be how many times do I get asked? How many times a day do I get the question? And really? That answer. Oh. People ask you that the question oh, yeah. that he just asked more. Oh, yeah. But I usually answer it by saying it depends on the context. So if I'm at like the mall, like 30. If I'm at Iwoo, maybe once or zero. Mm-hmm. If I'm at a familiar place, they might not ask. You know, people I'm be honest. Like older people just say whatever they want. They don't care. They're they're completely out of pocket sometimes. I could totally see little grandma Sue walk up to Seth in Walmart, be like. And they, they say something, they have some special saying or phrase that they use a lot. Something. I'm interested to see what you're going to say that they say. <laughs> and they're like, well, Shuxy Darn, how, how are you so tall up there? You know, like. Shuxy Darn. No, they, Norm, the classic old person comment is, how's the weather up there? Uh, yeah. I'm like, it's yeah. pretty good, you know. The air's <laughs> about, a little thin. You should <laughs> just be like, it's raining. I, yeah. <laughs> just that's a bad one. That'd be nice. My mom said. The weather's fine up here, but the trash around my feet is bothering me. Oh, wow. Oh. She told wow. me to say that. I was like, no, that's <laughs> that's loving. That's not very nice. Happy Jesus. And you're cold? Wow. <laughs> Anyways, Seth, give us a little background and we'll need to know about who you are. Obviously, uh, Isaac and I know you too well. So we, we got to get some insight into to those that are listening. Uh, my name is Seth Quinton Maxwell. Mm. Middle name is important. It means five. I'm the fifth child in my family. Oh. Is that actually how they did it? Yeah. Currently, so Quentin means five. And I'm is the, fifth the fourth child. one no. like quad? It was just us. A quad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Evan quad. quad Maxwell. <laughs> Quadricep. <laughs> uh, no, I'm Seth, Seth Quentin Maxwell. And, uh, you know, I got married this summer, as you guys know, yes, to Elias sir. Gretchen Maxwell. <laughs> Does her middle wonderful. name have significance as well? No. <laughs> It sounds kind of German or Gretchen, Russian or something. But anyway, um, I was raised by my dad, who actually works at IWU. He was a play director and a professor, and that kind of played into my artsy side, not just an athlete, as some people think I might be. Yeah, but, yeah. Tell, tell a little bit about that. You're an athlete, and you have an artsy side, as you just said. Yeah, well, my dad always played piano. He's a worship leader, so I got into playing piano. I, that's probably my favorite thing to do is just play piano. Mm-hmm. I want to take some lessons because I haven't taken lessons since I was like 13, but play piano all the time. I was going to be an art major when I came to Iwu. I don't know if you guys knew that. I did not know that. 
So I was a painting minor for a little bit, but I had to drop it because the classes are so long and they require so much work. And with basketball, it's just kind of hard to balance. Yeah. So I tried a business major and I took accounting and I wanted to rip my eyes out. So <laughs> like microeconomics. <laughs> this is how I figured out accounting. I was called. <laughs> Seriously, though. And I remember, um, so I was like considering changing my major and I was like praying about it and stuff. And that's actually when I met Elias around that time. And I had accounting homeworks that I had to get done, but I wanted her to come visit because she's from Muncie, so she had to drive. So I was like, Lord, if you want me to change my major and drop this class, just please make it clear. And I just was like, felt peace about it. I was like, I'm changing my major. I'm going for ministry. I'm changing it. I'm dropping this class. I was like, I texted Elias. I was like, you can come over now. And I, <laughs> I dropped the class and everything. So that's like the odd journey of how I got into ministry. Um, I think when I was a kid, I, I remember my mom recently showed me this little drawing I made when I was a little kid that had a picture of like little stick people and a guy in front. And it said, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor. And, wow. And I think my my second oldest brother used to always call me a, a pastor, but I kind of ran away from it. I was like, I'm not a pastor. I don't think I can do that. I'm not like good enough person for that, I think. And I feel like I ran away from that calling for a really long time. Um, so it was a big step for me to actually change my major into ministry. Yeah. Um, and it was worship ministry. And I think I wasn't thinking about the music side. I think I was thinking about like, you know, arts as worship. Like what is worship beyond just singing and music and stuff. So it's kind of how I got into ministry. And I'm also a basketball player. I think I barely touched on that. But I think that's a big part of my life. And I'm also called to be a professional basketball player. I don't know how long, but that's my plan mm. for next year. Wow. So, mm. I mean, you kind of just hinted at that um, with you talk about how being young, right, drawing. So, like, it's, if anything, faith has been a part of your life, right, growing up in that and then coming here and then switching. To, what what year were you when you switched into? Sophomore year. Sophomore year. Solid. I, you want a crazy remember. story? Sure. So, his sophomore year is our freshman year because he's... Shoot, dude, I forgot that you were a year older than us. So I, I go to Awaken, and it's like my freshman year. I think it's like the fall semester or whatever. And Because I had a buddy of mine that was on the leadership team. So he's like, hey, come. Come out. Like It'd be it'd be dope for you to come out and see what Awaken's all about. I'm like, cool. So I go there, and then the person on the stage goes, I don't even know if you remember this, but they go, oh, does anybody have any praises recently? And I think it was Elias turns and goes, this guy's going into ministry or something no like that. Way. And I look up and it's Seth Maxwell. I have no idea who he is. He's just sitting at the very top row, just hanging out. And he's like, yep, going into ministry. Oh. And that was like, I don't even remember that. That was probably like the, almost around that same time that you switched from art yeah. to ministry. Yeah. But I had no idea who you were. I just looked up and I was like, that's the strangest thing I think I've ever been a part of. That's <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, it That's was awesome. support and encouragement right Elias there. Elias is bold. It yeah. He doesn't care. And I think that yeah. was the part that I was like, that I have never witnessed that before. Just someone else edifying yeah. God, you know, hey, this is what God's been doing in somebody else's life. And I yeah. saw it, mm. which I think in and of itself is a valuable lesson to learn. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. crazy, crazy little story there, Seth. I forgot mm -hmm. about that. <laughs> but I mean, it made an impact on you. That's incredible. But what I want to know is obviously you talked about basketball being a part of your life and mm -hmm. you're good. Um, God's gifted you with that. But obviously it's not your identity because you took this entire time to get to that point that yeah. you play basketball, you know? And so from having this worship man, right, and going to play 
uh, try to play pro overseas. How do you get there? How has God led you through this time here, obviously to worship in your second year, then growing you in there, and then now it's like, no, I'm going to go overseas. Yeah. What does that look like? Um, how God got you there, and kind of what your first thoughts are about that. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing basketball for the longest time. Um, I think, like, coming from a family that didn't really play any sports, my dad never played sports. Um, he, mm. He's a pretty tall guy. But he was never into sports, so I was never, like, pushed towards that direction. Um, but I think just natural height kind of pushed me in, in that direction. And I always enjoyed it. I was, I'm I'm still not the most competitive person when it comes to basketball, but I know I'm gifted in that way. I know I'm called to, to give my all on that. Um, so that led me to college. I think for a while I wanted to go D1 NCAA. Like, I just thought that was what it was. I was like, that's the plan. So I spent – I actually – I don't know if you guys know this, so – like I'm 24 because I took an extra year of high school. Hmm. So I took a prep year after senior year um, to try to get like high major D1 offers. Hmm. And at that same time, my brother was at Kansas and he transferred to IWU because it Bro, wasn't. I heard fit. about that story. I remember coming in and they're like, dude, our basketball team's insane. You know, Mango, Kyle Mangus, all this stuff. And they're like, then we got a guy transferring in from Kansas. Hmm. And I was like, what? And his no brother. <laughs> Yeah, so he transferred, and I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to go there. It's like a small-time school, NAI. I didn't even know what NAI was. Like, I never heard of it. <laughs> nobody nobody does. And I think that one year at that, like, secular school kind of made me realize, like, I need discipleship, and I need a Christian school. And mm -hmm. I was praying about it, and I I just felt so much peace about coming to IWU. I didn't know why. Like, I, didn't, I thought I was going D1 the whole time, but um, I ended up coming here, and, like, just the discipleship that has happened. And I think it's just like preparing me for prof professional basketball. Mm. It's teaching me how to lead in a secular environment. It's teaching me how to, you know, create the foundation of my own character and bring it to a secular environment without stumbling into that environment. So I think just this four, five years at this point, because um, my COVID year um, has just prepared me. And I don't know, like I haven't been on a secular team or in a secular environment in a while because I've been here for five years. So I knew I knew back in the day, like I couldn't really handle it as much. I kind of wanted to fit in. But now I think I'm a little more prepared to mm. go in there and be strong in my faith and hopefully like lead a lot of people to Christ and let it be a ministry wow. rather than just a job. Um, and I want to continue growing in, in my like ability to preach and stuff. I want to find opportunities to preach in other countries and stuff, wow. wherever that may be, mm. Dude, Italy that's... or Spain or something. Cool. Hey, if you ever go to Spain, let me know because sure. that's where I might end up. Oh, that's so, awesome. That'd be sweet. But um. I, I think it'd be cool to talk a little bit about um, how, because the stories that we hear from Coach T, Coach Tonigo with the basketball team, and I am third, and just your guys' culture. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but many other teams here try to use that as an example of, okay, how do we build this culture in ours? That's what our coach is doing as he's kind of rebuilding in tennis as he's the new coach. He's like, mm -hmm. how do I build a culture like that? Or like the softball team when they go nationals and baptize people. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do we build this culture? Mm. So what have you learned the most from, whether it is Coach T, Coach Clark, or whatever, just from the basketball program that um, has influenced you so much? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just like this idea that like if you're a Christian program, you're not going to be as good as the other schools or, you know, like all these ideas of like if you're a Christian, you're going to be less successful 
in a lot of ways. Like a lot of people kind of think that they're like, oh, it's a Christian school. It's probably not as good as sports like in competition and stuff. and stuff like that. Yeah, and in just like in other areas and stuff just like life, you're not going to be as like last. Christians are poor and things like that. I think one thing that I've learned is like if you put God first, but you also strive for excellence, like you're going to be like you have a good chance of being great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so they like they never kind of settled for for not as good because they're an NAI school. Like Coach T could be coaching anywhere. Coach Clark could be coaching anywhere. He could be a head coach somewhere else. But I think just like this idea of like if you truly put God first and others second, like it's kind of funny because I've heard this I am third thing forever, but Coach T will preach it till the day he dies. And I think I'll preach it till the day I die too. Mm-hmm. Like you put God first, others second, yourself third, like you're going to be successful in whatever it is. And it might not look the same way as the world looks, but I think that's that's the way to true success. And that's the way to find joy in what you're doing. And I think a huge thing I've learned is like this, I, I grew up playing basketball and like everyone's like, you gotta play mad. You gotta get angry and stuff. Hmm. And I'm just like, that's that's not who I am. So like throughout playing at Indiana Wesleyan, I realized like, there's this joy-fueled aggression that's way more powerful than the anger-fueled aggression. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to get to the anger-fueled aggression. And when I do get there, it's like I'm playing for myself, I think, a lot of times. But if I'm playing with joy, like I'm celebrating my teammate. I'm not worried about how I'm performing. Even if I have a bad game, I don't even realize it because I've been like celebrating my teammates and, and playing for God and surrendering the outcome. Wow. So. That's mm. incredible. I need to hear that. No, No lie. I'm like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna preach that at practice tonight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause cause I get what you're saying. Cause I have seen times where, um, now in tennis is a little different because we're not like face to face with somebody and you yeah. get like mad and stuff like that. But the competition sometimes, as people say, brings the devil out in you because mm-hmm. you want to put someone on beneath you, right? Mm-hmm. You want to elevate yourself above them. But the joy, the joy filled aggression in sports to to perform at your best with the talent that God has given you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because I, I know I've wrestled with, like, where does competitive competitiveness lie in the Christian realm? You know, <clears throat> I've thought about, like, okay, when I play disc golf professionally, I go play a tournament, and I'm, will, I'm wishing my opponents to miss a putt or to hit a tree off the tee and things like that. That way that I can have a better chance of winning. Like, it's, it's, this, it's this paradox of, like, I want to do well and win, but I also the same time wants to uplift those that I'm playing against, which is even, I think even harder than playing with teammates. Yeah. Cause you're wanting to be for your teammates, but Definitely. how do you, how do you, I guess in your experience, how do you, how do you lift up the other team? If that's even possible, I don't even know. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if I have a good answer for that one. Cause I think um, com- when you're competing against someone, I don't think you necessarily have to be like super kind to them. Like, but I think there's like this level of like when you're on the court or like in the arena or whatever it is, like you're you're in that and you're not worried about the other team. I think like I don't know if I'm worried about the other team like being nice right. to them. I think there's a sportsmanship. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not the type to talk trash, but I'm also not the type to say it's wrong to talk trash. <laughs> I think like there's a place for talking trash in sports to a certain extent. Like there is an extent where it's not good. Um, but yeah, but once you're off the court or whatever, like, I think you treat someone like a human being, you treat them well. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but competitiveness is an interesting subject. Cause like you look at like Michael Jordan and like how you take things personal and like, like hate people and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's a whole different thing, but 
Yeah, everybody wow. else has got their way of being competitive. But mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's something I've wrestled with. Com- competition, I mean, you look at it. My worst moments are competition. I'm sure, mm-hmm. like, maybe you could agree agree with that where you're like, dang, I shouldn't have said that. But mm-hmm. then also seeing the beauty in, like, when you go out play, say at practice, you guys are getting into it. You could talk trash with each other to get each other going, yeah. but you know it's all love in the yeah. end where yeah. you have no ill intent towards them. And that's just like you guys are getting better together, yeah. which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good example of like brotherhood, like even like out of sports, like you sh- you should be able to offend your brother, like with the truth or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, if you're just soft on like in practice, if we're just like super soft on each other, like you're not necessarily making each other better. So I think it's a good parallel. Mm. Yeah, that's very good. So what like with being a worship man and stuff like that and seeing that the Lord could be leading you to go play professionally. And what do you do with um, obviously your kind of ministry there would be the team. But how does that look in like another culture? You know what I mean? Because. Mm-hmm. At first, maybe compare the two up at the beginning when you first came to worship men and then now being overseas. Did you ever see yourself going overseas at all? Uh, I think I did. I think I questioned a bit, like, am I even called to play basketball after college, things like that, and just, like, playing for the same program for five years. Like, I've loved it, but at the same time, it's, like, it's a long time to play for the same program. Uh, so I think there's, like, I'm looking forward to uh, playing overseas and I think like the cool thing about it is like the the cultures you get to be a part of um, So like your point with like ministry and stuff what it looks like like I have no idea Like I, I've never been to Europe or anything mm-hmm. like that. I've never been to Australia or China or anything like that So like I think one thing I'll take with me is like exegeting the culture oh, I'm just yeah. gonna observe and you know if there's opportunities for ministry I'm gonna see what they're doing and like what's effective and I don't know, and, yeah. and then be authentic with who I am when I minister to people and, mm. and not try to, I think one thing I've struggled with a lot is like insecurity, like um, looking at even the fellow guys in our cohort and fellow women in our cohort, like, man, I wish I was as smart as them or I wish I was like as passionate as them or like outgoing or like whatever it is. Um, but I want to just be confident in like ministering from who I am because I'm going to be in an environment where I could be the only Christian. And I think, like, if I just authentically create relationships, I don't have to be, like, minister to people necessarily. I just have to walk alongside people, have conversations. And obviously, I want to get involved in churches if I can over there. But I think yeah. just ultimately just creating relationships. Wow. That's that's such a good example of, I think, many times I'm thinking of if somebody else was in your position of really wrestling with this idea of going overseas and being like, you know, if I don't hear a direct yes or no from God, like I'm not making a decision or something like that. And mm. I love your attitude where it's like, I have a gift. I can go play and do ministry over there. It's it's the whole mentality of wherever I go, I'm going to do ministry. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you are. It's mm-hmm. where your feet are. That's where you do mm. the mission. You yeah. Know? Did did that like, I know obviously you, you felt like called to ministry. Like how did that develop into you thinking, okay, I think I'm going to go overseas. Was it just like a, yeah, I'm, I'm gifted. I'm just going to go. Or, like, what did that look like? Um, I think just God's given me, like, just different gifts, like whether it's in ministry or basketball and art and stuff. And I feel like a lot of times I saw them on, like, separate tracks, like separate parts of my life. Um, and I'm just trying to let them, just, like, melt together. You know what I mean? So, like, basketball, I, like, I, I feel called to ministry, but, like, 
if I wait for my opportunity to go to ministry, once I can go into full-time ministry, I'm just going to waste so many opportunities. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have this time where I'm getting education to like spring me off into the next thing, but I don't have to get a job in ministry to use those things. So I'm going to try to just use the things I've learned um, and just authentically live at, live it out. And I'm going to find, I'm going to try to find opportunities to like formally minister to people. Cause like, when you play a sport professionally, like there's only so many hours in a day where you can go hard on that sport. And there's gonna be a ton of other time where I can, you know, get involved in the community. And I've heard a lot of people like will start foundations when they're professionals overseas and stuff. So I'm just gonna try to get as involved as possible and not just waste my time, like relaxing after practice and stuff or yeah. whatever it is. So. <laughs> Have you, uh, cause I know you know at least some guys that have gone overseas to play and are Christians some that come from Iwu, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've been in contact with them, but your brother, for example, what has there been anything you've like learned from them or asked them that may have been like good advice from them on how to do that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know like Kyle Mangus is over there. Evan, my brother Evan just went to Lithuania. He's going to play in the same league as Kyle, which is cool. He just left the other day. Wow. Uh, Michael Thompson is a former teammate. Kane and Coffee. Michael overseas. Thompson's overseas yeah, too. He's in Portugal. Kane wow. and Coffee, I think, is in Germany this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I haven't had a chance to like really talk too much with everybody, but I know my brother just like he would probably just say like cr the creating relationships and having conversations and not being afraid to talk about things because there's a good chance you'll be at this place for one year and then kind of move on and try to move up the leagues and stuff. Um, so like he would just say, don't waste your opportunity there. Don't look at it selfishly. Like this is to advance my career, but just like be present there. Mm. Um, I think that's one thing that I've struggled with is like, uh, people like moving on to different things. Like sometimes I'm afraid to create a deep relationship cause I'm like, I'm just going to move away and it's like not going to be the same. Um, but that's something I want to grow in is just like not be afraid to go deep with somebody. Um, and not be afraid that they're going to leave. But I think that's a huge part of mm. life in general is mm. like looking at the person you might never see again and being willing to like really care like what's going on in their life. How has that been for this year? Because if this being like the last semester, last semester with basketball, all that stuff mm -hmm. and moving on after, that's what you're talking about. You know, like yep. this is this is what you're facing now. And your brother said you could face it for the next couple of years as you try and move up the leagues. Yeah. And so how has that been this semester being right in your face? Uh, yeah, that's, I think it's still a struggle for me, I think, like just creating deep relationships in a short period of time. But I think the place that I've been called to is my basketball team. Um, so that's one area where I'm trying to cultivate deep relationships, even though I know I'm leaving next year. And then another thing is like, Elias taught me really well to see the person who like is a loner or see the person who maybe struggling or whatever it is, like see the person who um, is just there, who they're not going to approach you, but you, like if you approach them and I'm like a super introvert. So like, I, I like to just like go my own way and like, um, but if I can see that person who's kind of sitting alone or something and reach out to them, that's something I want to grow into. Wow. Wow. And, I, and I have grown because of Elias. Hey. Like Elias mm. just does it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be more like you mm -hmm. in that area. Yeah. So. Talking about Elias, I mean, we hear from from Noah from that story from the beginning. How has she like, you know, going through dating and since you've known her and then into marriage, how has she 
um, played a part, obviously, in like not just your call, but your life as God has is growing you. Because yeah. as He's growing you, like the call is going with that, what He's leading you to. And yeah. so, how has she played a part in that? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is um, I think a huge part of my testimony is like emotions. And I grew up being a super emotional kid. Like I would cry about things and I'd be like super angry about things. Um, and then came a point in high school where I just was like, I don't think this is effective. I'm just going to like shut down my emotions. And I started like every time I'd feel anger, I'd just push it down and be like, and just try to cover it up. And I think Elias has really helped me like get rid of that, like masking emotions and pushing it down and just like talking about them and identifying them. Cause I got to this point where I'd feel anxiety and I didn't know what it was or like mm -hmm. what it was coming from. And now I'm at a point where like some, like I feel something in my chest and I'm like, God, I don't know what this anxiety is about. Like, like praying about it and letting it out or like talking to Elias about it. So I think that's been a huge part of my story with Elias is like her pushing me to to be an emotional person because I can't operate at my fullness if I don't experience the sadness, if I don't experience the anger. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like this numb person. Robot. And, I've, and, I've, <laughs> and I've been that. So like I'm, I'm even growing in that now is like how do I operate in the fullness of who God created me mm -hmm. to be in all the emotions, whether they're good or bad, like how do I take them to him rather than like just masking them and if you mask things they just like grow bigger inside you and then they just kind of blow up at some yeah, point absolutely and so yeah that's a, i i was thinking of a i don't know if people listen to nf too much but nf has like a quote in his songs talking about like the things i have you know i tried to bury i try to push it down but it comes back worse mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and it grows down there and all those yeah. all those yeah. things and like we're about to do this paper on on anger and stuff and yeah. i think it's really interesting but like Anger is not explicitly bad. Like anger can be a good thing. And mm. that's something that I was like, oh, I didn't even really understand that. Mm. Like, so I was pushing it down like it was a bad thing. But whether I'm pushing down good anger or bad anger, like it's going to just like I'm going to feel it like subconsciously and it's going to yeah. build up. Yeah. So. Whether you push down good or bad anger, it's going to turn into a, yeah. a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like it's going to reap horrible consequences. Mm. And yeah. dude, the other day I was talking with a friend and I was reminded of something that I was taught. Uh, in high school and a good way to understand anger is it's a defense of something you love mm -hmm. easy way mm -hmm. to understand yeah. it. and so yeah. why are you angry about something it's because somebody's attacking or something whatever is attacking something you love yep. or someone mm -hmm. and the more you love something the greater like capacity of anger you have right mm -hmm. for like for example with you i know like like things like this would anger you like somebody getting mistreated that would anger me too but if somebody mistreated Elias, the capacity for your yep. anger is greater, right? Yeah. So it's a good way to to identify where your anger is coming from yeah. based on what you love. Yeah. And I remember, so you talked about Elias and like how she's been such a prominent role in, in your development, not just spiritually, but also like emotionally. Um, I remember asking a buddy of mine that just got married. I said, hey, what what has marriage taught you the most? Like what's what's an a piece of advice you that you've got from marriage that you'd like to give to me. I'm always wanting to ask these kind of questions. And he said, I'm gonna be honest, marriage just sanctifies you faster. And I was like, that's not what I was looking for. Like I want like something like staggered out that I could just easily like <laughs> do. And he's like, no, 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 no. It, it sanctifies you faster. And I just like got to ponder on that and think about that for a while. And that's like, I can see Elias 
and how you guys' healthy marriage has continued to do that and sanctify you and her both. Yeah. And with the like the time that we have left, I just want to ask from your story from from where God's moved in, in the past and, and now and where he's gonna move in the future when you go somewhere overseas to play basketball. What's the piece of advice that you've that you've come to be like, yeah, this is good and I want to share this? Man, I knew you were gonna ask this question earlier and I think I had some on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um you know I think just being okay with not being an expert on things and mm. um, always be willing to grow. But also, like, I think a huge part of, like, my story is just, like, feeling inferior, like, not good enough. Um, so I'd say being okay with that, being, like, almost, like, finding joy in that and, like, freedom in the fact that you're not going to be enough and you're not going to know enough and you're never going to be prepared prepared enough but like god is god is the one who who's makes you sufficient he's the one that gives you the words to speak when you don't have the words to speak he's the one that um, allows you to work through your emotions when you have no capacity for doing that um whatever it is like i just want to be okay with being not enough and i'd say that to other people like always be a learner because if you start i think there's one, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but like we've been learning as a team, like these two senses of pride. There's one where you think you're like too good for things, but then there's this other one where you don't think you're good enough. Mm-hmm. That's that's Dang. pride just as much. And that's the one, like you want to think like, oh, that's the more righteous that's side humility. to be. At. Yeah, it's humility, but it's not at all. It's pride. Um, so I think there's this like this balance of like, don't think you're too much, but don't think you're too little. Like, um, Paul says, like, um, I don't care what other people think about me. Like, they're not my judge. But I also don't care what I think about myself. And that's, like, a whole nother level, like, bars. Wow. Like, if you can find freedom from what pe- other people think, which a lot of people, like, that's a good concept. But if you find freedom from what you think, like, there's this whole other freedom that you have and you can just rely on what God thinks of you, I think there's just so much freedom in mm. that. That is that is a lot of freedom, and I. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny that you bring that up because I I had a conversation with somebody the other day as well about this idea of, you know, when we think when we're down in the down in the dumps, when we just think we're the worst person ever, whenever that is, just in the valley, it's like we don't even want to go before God because we're like we're so unworthy, mm-hmm. we are so inferior, all these things. But then it's like when we think we're doing the right things, we just well I have no problem running in there. Yeah. It's having the same. Neither are, like, good, but entering in with that humble mindset of, like, I am not worthy to be here, mm-hmm. but still God has me here, and so I'll listen to what he has to say about yeah. me and what you said. That's so good. Hmm. Speaking about, because I hear so many times, everybody will get on the back of, you know, it, don't let what other people say about you define you. Mm-hmm. What you say, that's what people say. is like, we don't even agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like believe yeah. in yourself, like you have it within you. Oh no, my goodness! Don't get me on that motivational no. stuff. Oh and my! And like days. the whole, who you know, what's your identity? All of those questions. Yeah. This is wow. who I'm. This is who I'm made to be. Like no, like read the scriptures. That's that's where you'll find where your identity comes from. I'm a son. Yeah, move with me. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I know, like, I think half the time I was just checked out thinking about something he said like 20 minutes ago, and I was like. <laughs> 
oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, I got this. You know, I, I'm that's like, fine. you just, you just speak wisdom when you speak, you know, especially because you don't always talk that much. So when you do, hold it in, yeah, it all just comes out at one time. And when you do, I want to listen to it. And I think you have that um, special capability. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to hear about what you do overseas because I know it's going to be intentional and authentic. Yeah. That, and so, wow. thank you so much for for just taking the time. I know you're busy, man. It's like the end of basketball season, which means everything's picked up. Not to mention all the homework that we have to do as well. Yeah, yeah, we know um, about that. That's life. what I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. So that's thank bad. you for for taking the time, and for those that are listening. Stay tuned. We got more episodes coming out, and sometimes Isaac and I don't even know who we're gonna get on this podcast. So it's just a it's a treat on who's gonna be our guest. So we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Appreciate it, guys. Adios. Adios. We'd also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank the Call Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information visit at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Thanks for listening again and taking time in your day to have the chance to be formed by the conversations we have over coffee. See you guys next week.